0: Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Hands down, my favorite characterization of the Fed's doings this week comes from the New York Times economics writer Peter Coy, who observes that, quote, in trying to steer clear of the scylla of inflation, you know where this is going the Fed could inadvertently plunge the U.S. economy into the charybdis of recession. After that, I have to warn you, I got nothing. This week, our three things are, one, extreme volatility. We cannot rule out contagion just yet. Two, new issue supply. Against a rash of unfavorable forces impacting corporate credit performance in 2022, this could be a bright spot. And three, Fed confusion. We're not sure the messaging squares up with what we're seeing. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. The hidden cost of volatility. So, history tells us that geopolitical events really don't move markets all that much. Sure enough, since Russia invaded Ukraine, U.S. stocks are 3% higher, European stocks are 1% lower, and commodities, as measured by the Commodity Research Bureau All Spot Index, is up 3%. So markets are humming along taking all of this in, right? Well, not so much. Volatility is breathtaking. Oil has gone from $100 a barrel to $140 back to $100 in 10 days. European gas futures went from 23 to 72 to 34. Nickel, of course, jumped 250% in a day. Wheat jumped 70% in a week. And fell 18% the next. Oh, and let's not forget about the 10 year Treasury yield, which has jumped 68 basis points since year end. Then there's this one. Since its November peak, the NASDAQ has had 10 days where the index has moved plus 2% or more. Yet overall, it's been down 22% from its peak before its recent bounce. And let's not forget, Russia is veering toward default on $150 billion of debt. Now, we admit to being a bit curious about the comment by J.P. Morgan Chase's head of trading a couple of weeks ago, who said that, quote, a lot of clients are under extreme stress, unquote. Or when the European Federation of Energy Traders, a trade body that includes BP, Shell, and commodity traders like Trafigura, said the other day that the industry needs, quote, emergency liquidity support to ensure that wholesale gas and power markets continue to function. Unquote. So what have credit spreads done? Well, they've moved out significantly, with IG approaching that arbitrarily determined worry point, 150 basis points OAS, before coming back into 136 basis points. High yield, meanwhile, is out to 386 basis points. Those averages from 2010 to 2019, by the way, are 140 and 481 basis points, respectively. Now, we would attribute much of the widening to the rise in rates, which is driving outflows and historically poor performance in the asset class. But don't lose sight of the cost of volatility. That is sure to increase risk aversion among investors, which includes not only a heightened sensitivity to default risk, but also an aversion to structure and complexity. Search for yield has turned into search for liquidity, at least for now. All right, on to our second thing. Supply is normalizing. Now, we've talked a lot about normalization, getting past the distortions in markets of the past two years, courtesy of unprecedented fiscal relief and monetary accommodation. We came upon yet another thing that is normalizing, and that is new issue supply. Using Bloomberg numbers, U.S. investment-grade issuance ballooned in 2020 to $1.8 trillion as relieved issuers grabbed cash by the fistful backstopped by the Fed, which found, buried in its crisis toolkit, the ability to buy corporate debt. Issuance dropped to $1.4 trillion in 2021 as the need for emergency liquidity went away, but stimulus-charged economic growth and ultra-low interest rates were too good to pass up for many issuers. Importantly, those two things, along with improving the line of sight around the pandemic, boosted significantly m and volume and related financing. Which brings us to 2022. This year feels like a return to normal, which is roughly 1.2 trillion, which is what it was averaged from 2013 to 2019. To issuers, the environment is less than ideal, what with growth slowing, rates rising and war building. We are also seeing a correction, a normalization in equity markets and debt markets, which is increasing cost of capital to potential acquirers that would become potential issuers. Reduced supply is a bit of good news to beleaguered credit investors that are enduring a historically poor start to the year, courtesy of a dramatic rise in rates and a correction in credit spreads. All right, on to our third thing, Fed confusion. I want to make a couple of points about the Fed here at the outset. One, I don't have a lot of respect for Monday morning quarterbacks, those who are quick to hammer the Fed, especially Jay Powell, for throwing too much at the pandemic. In the heat of the battle, there was tremendous uncertainty about how the pandemic would progress. Maintaining a highly accommodative monetary policy was the right thing to do, especially given the alternative, which we saw play out painfully for years, years after the GFC. Did the Fed buy bonds for too long? Certainly, especially in terms of mortgages. But that's not Monday morning quarterbacking. The effects of that were clearly evident throughout in the form of soaring home price appreciation. But when we take a step back and consider the overall cost of Powell's game plan, high inflation for a period of time that most observers, as well as markets, expect to be highly manageable, we resist the temptation to nitpick. And by the way, we, and critics, will never know how this compares to what would have happened if he had tightened on the timetable and magnitude those critics hoped for. The second point I'd like to make is why do we get so worked up about dot plots and forecasted hikes? If the Fed is doing its job, it will be measured in its approach and data-driven. Nimble is the way Powell puts it. Would you want it any other way? Especially in this environment with so much uncertainty amidst normalization and the war, no one has that good of a crystal ball. And this is no time for ideologues. So by now, you've been inundated with analysis around the FOMC meeting. Two things to ponder from our perspective. First, we disagree with the characterization of the economy as very strong and strengthening. It is neither. Deceleration is happening all over the place. Consumer and commercial sentiment is depressed. And the Atlanta Fed GDP Now Q1 estimate of real GDP growth is hovering around 1%. And it strikes me as odd that those descriptors were used when you were reducing your GDP forecast by 120 basis points from three months ago. In a similar vein, we find it hard to believe that unemployment will remain at very low levels as growth is cut in half. We know mathematically that's possible if the labor force does not grow, but that won't be good for economic growth. But I don't think that's behind the unemployment forecast. By the way, Powell did mention that labor supply remains subdued. That is the key takeaway with regard to the labor market, in our opinion. And finally, do not lose sight of measures of financial conditions which monitor the cost and availability of credit. At the end of the day, markets will do much of the Fed's work. Take the Chicago Fed National Financial Conditions Index. It is spiking off of very favorable readings in 2021 toward levels last seen in 2016 the year of China's economic deceleration, plummeting oil prices, and a sharp rise in bond yields. With market appetite reducing and growth slowing, the Fed quite possibly will not have to be as aggressive, ultimately, in raising rates. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, extreme volatility. Cryptic comments suggest we should be concerned about contagion. Two, new issue supply, Returning to normal levels of issuance should be a positive technical in credit markets in 2022. And three, Fed confusion. We don't consider the U.S. economy to be very strong and strengthening, but we do think the Fed will be measured ultimately in its tightening approach. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week.